This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. In this episode, I visit with E.J. Marin of Nakizia, and we take a look at the issue of organizational design in the age of coronavirus. So as a compliance practitioner, what's the design of your compliance function? Does it need to change? And are there new risks associated with any change in organizational design? Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Melissa Koch, and she is a co-founder of InFront Compliance. So Melissa, uh, first of all, welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be back. So, Melissa, I was wondering, uh, you've been on another podcast called Innovation in Compliance, but this is your first appearance on Compliance and Coronavirus. So could you introduce uh, yourself, your role at InFront Compliance to our audience? I'm Melissa Koch. I am the co-founder and CEO of InFront Compliance. We provide compliance solutions for heavily regulated industries, especially in financial services and cybersecurity. We provide a platform that breaks down very complex compliance topics and breaks it down into assessments and easy-to-read reports to manage compliance in a whole new way. Melissa, I began this podcast in uh, mid-March because I wanted to bring some clear and sane information to the business uh, executive and the questions I had and answers uh, about what people were asking back then have changed. So I was wondering, as as we record this in late September 2020, what are the top two or three issues that you and your team at Infront Compliance are, if not facing, being asked by your customer base? Certainly. So uh, so we have seen a lot change. And I think that the biggest one that what we talk about and that we get asked about is, is how to manage return to work, because that's going to look a lot differently, a lot different for a lot of organizations. And it, and it already has. Um, so for, for organizations that are managing remote and see remote as at least a, a partially permanent solution for their their operations. It's a matter of making sure that their remote work is secure. We've seen a real uptick in the intelligence across our, our organizations that we work with and being much smarter about who they work with, um, not only not only from a third-party vendor, but also having insight into fourth, fifth-party vendor. And then internally, making sure that they have the operational processes in place to mitigate potential risk and compliance infractions um, when, when they're working through systems and, and automated and computer systems. So it is a, it is, it, it's a different world now. And I think people have really started to internalize that and accept that, that we're going to work differently for the foreseeable future. Melissa, one of my observations through this period has been that trends that may have been that started in 2018 or 19 or were percolating along in 2018 or 19 accelerated in many ways exponentially. Uh, during COVID-19. And you mentioned not only third parties, but fourth and fifth third parties. And that was certainly a trend that we had seen in that time frame. But now we have uh, people paying real attention to that for a variety of reasons, for compliance reasons, cyber reasons, and others. Is Would that be a fair assessment from your perspective? 
Absolutely. It's a completely fair assessment. And that's what I meant by, by we're seeing a kind of an uptick in, in intelligence around this and, and people being a lot smarter, organizations being a lot smarter and realizing that they don't want to undermine their entire compliance program with a fourth and fifth party liability, even if they've been super diligent on, on the third party risk. And we see this a lot um, with organizations that are procuring uh, software products and services through intermediaries like resellers, for example, and trying to make sure they close gaps, um, not only with, with the resellers directly, but with the, the actual third-party provider of the products and how to qualify them in a way that, that it remains true to your overall compliance program. Regulated industries that you play in, fintech and other non-commercial uh, industries, have an additional layer of compliance regulation around retention of information, retention of uh, recorded phone calls, of, of chats, it, is that something your customer base has been able to come up with a solution or have you been ha- able to help them come up with a solution in the working from home environment? Sure. So, the, you know, the, the answer relative to us is, is yes. I mean, so we do collect that information. We collect artifacts. Um, we store it in a way that um, makes it more accessible and understandable. Um, and we are, we are kind of one of, of a number of solutions out there, you know, in terms of being able to meet your regulatory requirements by way of artifact collection and document collection and retention. There are solutions out there. But for us, again, the key is making sure you know how that relates to a particular requirement and be able to call on that uh, when you need it, whether that's a a regulator who comes calling or you have investigative purposes that you need to call on it. So making sure you have systems that support you in this environment, um, because again, you're you're not necessarily going to kind of a a common records room anymore. Everything is is digital and and kind of needs to be. And so making sure you have the platforms that support you in, in maintaining that information, giving you access to that information and helping you make decisions around that information. So so it's there the way that you need it becomes critically important. Melissa, one of your customer bases is government contractors. And in speaking with uh, several people in that uh, arena, they have talked about how the government has really, I don't want to say woken up, but uh, certainly emphasized uh, cybersecurity and the supply chain uh, all the way down. Is, is that something you're seeing as well? Oh, completely. And the Department of Defense is leading the charge with the CMMC, um, the new cybersecurity maturity model certification protocol. So what we're seeing on that front is there is a, a huge, a huge sensitivity around the importance of cybersecurity when it comes to acquisitions. So if you are a vendor, um, especially if you're a vendor in the defense industrial base or the DIB for the Department of Defense, this is a requirement for you. But it, it's not limited to the Department of Defense. We're seeing it across other agencies as well. And it is anticipated that a lot of the methodologies and a lot of the approaches that are, are embodied in the CMMC model will get rolled out to, to other agencies so that you can drive consistency throughout the, the government regulatory requirements and be able to have a much more secure supply chain. Melissa, I used to ask a question that was something along the lines of, uh, where do you see us being in Q3 and Q4? And unfortunately, now I ask, where do you see us being in 12 to 18, perhaps even 24 months in the fintech compliance space? Are you having those types of conversations with your clients now? We are. We are. Because again, I think I think that this way of doing work and, and being remote and interacting with your clients uh, differently is is something that is, is here to stay. I mean, some of us have been um, have been comfortable in the remote work 
world for a while, but, um, but when things like events have, have really transformed, um, you're not, you're not going to go to a, a physical trade show for the foreseeable future. Um, so interacting at, at some of these conferences or interacting at some of these, um, other live events just looks different now. And so, um, so being able again to, to take a longer view and, and really settle into a, a more digital way of interacting and finding ways to make it meaningful, um, when you're, you're meeting new people, you're networking with, with new potential opportunities. Um, again, having the platforms that support you and being able to operate in this world. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely something that's different for a lot of organizations, but it's something that, um, that we're seeing organizations adapt to. Well, so one of the great things I find about in-front compliance is the resources that you guys make available on your website that I certainly uh, take advantage of. And you had one blog post that really intrigued me, a little bit different than our focus today, but I couldn't resist the chance to to visit with you about the DFS uh, enforcement action against First American Title. Mm-hmm. Um, and your title, I thought, provocatively said, financial institutions rattled by DFS entry into cybersecurity enforcement. And I was wondering if just... You can explain a little bit about why uh, they're rattled and, and how you can help them maybe become unrattled. Sure. Well, I mean, so what, what we're seeing when, when you reference them for, for people who don't, who don't go by just the initials, it's the New York State Department of Financial Services Cyber Regulations. And, and it's New York State's way of saying that cybersecurity is really important and publishing regulatorily what the requirements are um, for the organizations that operate in that space. And we're, we're seeing an uptick in that generally. We're seeing um, a lot of the states get a lot more rigorous and a lot smarter about um, about how to think about cybersecurity requirements to protect uh, to protect the information that's flowing and to to make sure that everybody understand what's what's important and why it's important. So with New York State DFS cyber requirements um, and and the recent case, you know, it, it really is a, an important an important news event for organizations who are in the financial services world and almost everyone has a touch has a touch point to New York being such a banking center and, and a financial services center. So taking note of what the cyber cyber requirements are, making sure you operationalize them in your organization only helps you uh, help, helps you be prepared to do business in the sector. And we work with fintechs and we we talk to fintechs regularly and you know making sure that you're proactive specifically in this particular space could give you a competitive advantage again other competing other competing fintechs who aren't ready to do business under the cybersecurity requirements published by the New York New York State Department of Financial Services. Melissa, one of the things that intrigued me about the enforcement action was that it was against an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And that's a regulated industry by the DFS. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you having those kinds of conversations with insurers? Have they awakened now to their potential exposure? I do think so. And, and again, I think, I think that's another huge takeaway here is that, um, the, these, these enforcement actions and who really needs to be smart about these regulations isn't just limited to, to financial institutions themselves. You know, the insurers do get brought in and the insurers are getting smarter because they can, they can see and spot or hopefully they're getting smarter about seeing and spotting where the potential risk areas are so that they can identify the gaps, advise and close them. Melissa, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if uh, our listeners wanted more information on in-front compliance. Where could they go? 
Certainly. So please uh, check us out on the web at www.infrontcompliance.com. That's all one word, I-N-F-R-O-N-T-C-O-M-P-L-I-A-N-C-E.com. Or if you have questions for me specifically, you can reach me at melissa at infrontcompliance.com. Lisa, as we move into uh, Q1 and Q2 of 2021 and perhaps beyond, I hope that I might be able to call upon you for uh, some guidance on where we may be at that point in time. Anytime, Tom. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This is the only B2B podcast which brings clear and sane information for both the compliance professional and the business executive. If I could ask you uh, to do one thing, if you could tell one person about this podcast, I'm trying to get the word out uh, about this most unique podcast in the Compliance Podcast Network. So if you could tell one person about it, send them a copy, send them a link, do something uh, to help me publicize this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Compliance and Coronavirus is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and it appears Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.